Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The Courage to Lead, episode 212. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest. Please help me welcome Bernadette Bose. Bernadette Bose is a renowned ball of fire in everything she does, from her corporate executive coaching, training, and speaking, to playing pickleball and loving on the tons of dogs that she cares for in her free time. Within Balls of Fire Coaching, Bernadette brings her 25-year corporate executive savviness with her entrepreneurial spirit to transforming the lives of corporate executives, teams, and businesses around the globe so they become the powerhouses they were meant to be. With what she calls her pink slip to freedom, Bernadette authored her first in a series of books, Shedding the Corporate Bitch, Shifting from Bitch to Rich in Life and Business. Bernadette resides in Atlanta, Georgia with her four-legged friend, Coco. <laughs> Bernadette, welcome to the program. Thank you, Harlan. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to Good to talk to you. Um, I'm a dog lover too. Tell me about Coco. What kind of dog is Coco? Coco is a, um, she's staring at me at the moment. Oh. Coco is a Chihuini. Okay. <laughs> who, I love who, the names. Yeah. yeah. So she's a Chihuahua mixed with a uh, wiener dog. And yep. I rescued her from being chained to a trash can in our dog park. Really? Yes. Somebody just left her there? Yes, the same weekend my 12-year-old Labradoodle was passing. Uh, oh. Yes, yeah, somebody just kind of, someone saw someone put yeah. her there and walk away. And yes, heartbreaking. Wow. But I, you know, fortunately, Rescue. yes, I, I was able to help. That's awesome. And then you talk about the tons of dogs you were, are you a, do you rescue? Do you foster? Do you just collect? <laughs> No, I just, um, several years ago, actually right around the time Charlie passed, uh, five years now, uh, it just so happened that a lot of my friends, a lot of my neighbors, uh, and I have a great backyard and they would say to me, you know, can our dogs come over and play? And the next thing you know, they're over here playing and whether it was Coco or, or, or someone else. And then they'd be like, okay, I have to go away. Can I, you know, can you take care <laughs> of the dog? Cause they love your backyard. I'm like, Sure. Nice. So I just love having puppies around. Absolutely. Yeah, of all no, I, think, I think it would be awesome. Just have just a nice big yard, having all the dogs out there. Just it would be playtime yes. all the time. Well, love my it. goal, my goal, Harlan, is to turn my guest house into a senior dog house. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Love it. All right. I want to come back, talk about, we'll probably talk about dogs intermittently. <laughs> stuff, but talk about uh, how you got your start, how you got to where you are now, who you work with and how you help. Um, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. Now, listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film and stage. 
And I figured if they're good enough, the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good <laughs> enough for my guests. So if you're ready, I've got 10 questions for you. Go for it. Question number one. What is your favorite word? Ooh, ooh, my favorite word. Love. What is your least favorite word? So. S-O. Okay. <laughs> All right. What turns you on? What turns me on? What turns me on? Um, a beautiful sunrise. What turns you off? Hate talk. What sound or noise do you love? My puppy slurping water. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Nails on a chalkboard. Mm -hmm. um, question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Fudge. Okay. <laughs> An interpretation of fudge. An interpretation. We're with you. <laughs> We're with you. Okay. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Acting. What profession would you not like to do? Oh, a uh, profession I would not like to do. What profession would I do? Um, garbage truck or trash pickup? Trash pickup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You've had a long life. Welcome to the rest of it. Nice. Very cool. Excellent. And I'm sure there are dogs in heaven. There are half speed dogs. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And there is a heaven in my world. Yes, Absolutely. there is a heaven in my world. All right. We're going to come back, talk about, like I said, how you got your start, uh, how you got to where you are now, who you work with, how you help them. Talk about your book, talk about your podcast, talk about all of that stuff. And at some point transition into courage and leadership. Okay. Yep. So listeners, we will talk about all of that and probably a lot more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Bernadette Bose. Bernadette, thank you so much for, for coming on the, on the program. Now, in the introduction, we talked about your pink slip to freedom. Tell me about that. Oh, wow. Uh, well, late 2007, you know, that Monday after Thanksgiving, you know, you're dragging yourself to work, whether it's physically or remotely. Uh, and um, I did, but I was all excited because we were ending the year off with a bang and I had some great initiatives planned for 2008. And by 738 o'clock in the morning, I found myself in the parking lot with a pink slip in my hand and a single box of my 25 year career, uh, fired by my mentor of 12 years. Wow. And uh, so that just led me 
basically into a personal journey that I call excavation of my soul Hmm. and and to really understand what the heck just happened, why, and what role did I play in it? So it's, it's actually been the foundation of everything that I do personally and professionally for the last 14 years. And what were you doing at the time? I was a senior executive in a technology company. And your mentor was the one who let you go. Yes. Hmm. Well, it was, at first it was very confusing. I stood there in the parking lot, like very confused, angry, perplexed. At the same time, Harlan, I'll tell people that I had this little twinge of excitement, like real, like curiosity of, okay, what is the, what's the next thing for me? Um, But I first needed to address why was I standing there in that parking lot? And quite honestly, you know, it took, you know, quite a number of months for me to really dig into who I was, who I wasn't and uh, what led up to that, that situation, which was completely, you know, I was blindsided by, and it really, you know, kind of provoked the book. I kind of came face to face uh, on a run in the park with my, with my pup, Charlie. And I came face to face with the woman, the leader that I was, and that was of a very ugly corporate tyrant. Uh And uh, he, you know, the company was on the verge of a lot of things, a lot of growth. And uh, I finally realized that I wasn't the type of leader that they would want and no one should want uh, in their organization. So as much as I was very hurt and felt very betrayed, uh, it was the right thing to do. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Hindsight, you, you start thinking, okay, that makes sense now. But at the time, you were doing everything you thought you were supposed to do, right? Um, I had another guy on the podcast who he said, I, I led the way that I was taught to lead. I led by the examples of the people that I had. And I thought I was doing everything right. And he goes, I lost everything. Is that kind of what it felt like? It Well, I wasn't taught. I was more so allowed to lead the way I was leading. So no one said to me, because if they had, I was extremely always very ambitious and I was desperate for power, prosperity and position. And had someone said to me, you know, Bernadette, the way you're going about things is not working for you, your team and for the business. And therefore, you know, we see this, 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 this ugliness, you know, coming from you and we need you to change. Being that I'm executive coach myself, I have to tell people that. At sure. times as well. <laughs> they don't always like to hear it. Right. They <laughs> don't right. want to hear it, but it's in their best interest. So talk about courage. You, you know, so I was allowed to lead the way I was led. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't necessarily taught. Now, what caused me to be act the way I did was I did have influences um, in my college years and in my early um, career years where I went to a very, you know, um, prosperous school with a lot of kids. I'm one of 12 children. Okay. So very middle class. And here I'm in at the school that uh, has very rich or they want to be rich type of uh, friends around me. And I saw that the way they got things was to throw their money around and throw their attitude around. Right. And I thought, Ooh, it works for them that those are all the things I want is what they have. And if it works for them, maybe it'll work for me. 
Um, But it was only supposed to be temporary, you know, a mask of, you know, just convenience, not something that eventually instilled itself in me and and projected all my ugliness. Wow. So the pink slip, I like the way you phrase it, pink slip to freedom, because it is freeing. You know, when you get out of that and you kind of settle in and say, oh, now look at everything is open to me. I can do anything that I want to do now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. What did you now, What did you decide to do? Did is that when you decided to do the executive coaching or? Well, actually, no. I um, <laughs> being the A personality that I am, uh, that moment in that in that um, parking lot, I knew I wasn't going back to corporate. Why I don't know, but I because I was I loved corporate. I uh, everything about it. But for some reason, I just knew I wasn't going to go back to corporate. So I immediately, being that I was um, extremely skilled as a consultant, uh, more so a business consultant for many years, Mm -hmm. uh, I immediately started a consulting company. Uh, And so that was kind of like, I didn't take any time off. Friends of mine were like, you have time, you have money, you have, you know, opportunity, take time off, like hang out for three months, go to the beach. And I'm like, no, what is that? I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Um, And I immediately went and uh, started my started my business, my practice. At the time, it was called the Bose Group, because I thought I wanted to build this big conglomerate. Right. Uh, And eventually, uh, through a personal experience at a speaking engagement, I had uh, all of a sudden, um, I found my brand, which is my essence, which is ball of fire. Oh, fire. <laughs> I was going to ask, yeah, where did that come from? Because I love that ball of fire coaching. Well, it came from actually a colleague friend of mine was introducing me. I was doing a speaking event here in I'm in, in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. and I was doing a speaking event in a room full of people. And she, I gave her my very polished long professional bio sure and she just looked at it on stage she just looked at it and went scrumpled it up threw it away and said all you need to know about bernadette bow is that she's a ball of fire well every hair on my body stood up and i thought that's it and because i never felt aligned to the bows group it didn't feel congruent with who i was turning to be becoming mm-hmm. And uh, so I ran to my seat after I gave my speech and got to GoDaddy and said, okay, I need ball of fire media, <laughs> ball of fire entertainment, ball of fire coaching. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Yeah. And so in your, in your coaching, what, what did you focus on? What was your area of expertise? Initially, my consulting slash coaching really focused on entrepreneurs and business um, development and growth. Uh, because again, you know, I had 25 years uh, of executive leadership experience. So that's where heavily where I was focused. Plus, even though I was writing my book at the time in from 2010 to 2011, and it was corporate, I wanted nothing to do with corporate because I was working so hard to shed that person that got fired. Yeah. I did not want to put myself into any situation that would trigger her coming out again. So I focused on entrepreneurs probably until, because we're talking 2008, probably until 2016, 17, when all of a sudden, because of my book and because of um, being able to talk the talk, uh, I started getting corporate HR and hiring managers reaching out to me to help their executives that are high potential or struggling, but need some need some support. And so I went from consulting 
and trans then transformed into purely coaching and then went from entrepreneurs to corporate. Although I do also um, coach entrepreneurs as well. Sure. So the leaders you work with, what are they struggling with mostly? Uh, there's a couple of, of um, groups. Um, one simply want to polish and um, enrich their leadership style so they can continue to advance and grow. Uh, so they just, you know, they, they're like, I need to work on my communication skills. I need to work on my ability to deal with conflict, negotiation, you know, influence others. Um, so that's one camp of, um, of clients. And then there, another one is, uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm middle management wanting to advance. And maybe it's their first majority of the times it's their first management role. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they're acting more as a manager than a leader. Yeah. And then it's, the hard, third, it's hard. It's hard to let go of that. It know? is. It is. Yeah, and especially if you're one of the top producers in your area. And a lot of times those are the people that the company looks to promote. They're still thinking hands on. Mm -hmm. It's hard to let go and and coach your your team to do the things right. you used to do. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's hard to kind of get comfortable transforming into a leader because they're so comfortable doing what they're doing, yeah. and all of a sudden have the, all these people relying on them, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to kind of help them because that's what a leader does is to develop and grow and help um, their people. Uh, it's very uncomfortable. So they just need some guidance and some tools and, and strategies for doing that. And then the third camp is where um, it, they are high potential, but they are struggling leaders, meaning that they could be bully leaders. They could be uh, tyrants like I was. Uh, they could be just totally lost as far as the perception others have of them uh, and what they have, what perception they have of themselves. And there's a great gap there that we have to bring together. Sure. Yeah. Learning how to engage your employees and get the most out of them, right? Because mm -hmm. as leaders, our goal is to make more leaders, not more followers. Correct. How do we get the most out of these people that we can? Correct. But 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 I'll tell you, um seven out of ten don't see it that don't see it that way. Yeah. Not well, let me rephrase that. They're not consciously aware that that's their role. It's not like they are ignoring it and pushing it away. Right. They just are so task oriented. They never had that opportunity, that coaching, that support, that that mentorship to be told to kind of like back away and, you know, start delegating, start coaching and, and uh, mentoring your people. Uh, so they just go at it you know, kind of head on. I just had a conversation with someone this morning ab about this exact thing. They're head on task oriented and they need to let go, especially when they have, you know, 30 people, let alone three or five people that they're responsible for. Exactly. Yeah. I had a client a few years back that he went from being the buddy to the boss. He moved up Absolutely. and suddenly it's like all these guys that he used to hang out with and they knew his work habits. Mm -hmm. And now he's telling them, do this. They go, you never used to do that. Right. It's like, right. you got to make that transition and you got to hold that line. And right. yeah, it's tough. And, then, and so their number one question is, how do I make that transition? What are those strategies and approaches that I should be taking? What is that communication 
and transparency that I should be, you know, that, that I should be making. And speaking about courage, I mean, it's all about being cur- courageous. Yeah, absolutely. So which came first, the book or your podcast? <laughs> Great question. Um, the idea for my book came first, the knowing <clears throat> that I had to start marketing it as early as possible caused my podcast to actually, which was internet radio back then, because we're right. talking 2010. <laughs> okay. Um, my uh, podcast came first because it was the marketing vehicle to the book. Nice. Yeah. So tell me about shedding the corporate bitch. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's my story. Um, it's a memoir slash I do provide tips and advice and even a um, bitch test at the end of it. Okay. <laughs> um, but it really is just trying, allowing the uh, reader to kind of get into my head, get into my life, understand where I came from, w- where I then moved into when I all of a sudden became this person. Yeah. Uh, and quite honestly, um, you know, it's now a benefit, but Quite honestly, I probably published it about a year and a half too soon. Okay. Because I start the transformation as we close the book. But at the same time, everything that I do now and majority of the time, the questions that I get from individuals now is, but tell me exactly how, what steps did you take (laughs) in order to transform? Because I am a completely different person than I than I was. As a matter of fact, the last chapter is called the facelift. Mm. And it's because I already sent the book off to the publisher and I was in the dog park um, sweating after a run with my dog and ran into two ex-employees from the company I was fired from two wow. years earlier. And they both were like, have you had some work done? And I kind of was like, I knew inside <laughs> what they meant. And I'm laughing hysterically inside, but I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you look like, you know, you're 10 or 15 years younger. And I said, you know, that's what happens when you shed the witch. Uh, And they, you know, and it's true. So I kind of ran home and called my publisher and said, look, I have one more chapter I need to write. Um, you know, because that was evidence that was pure evidence that once you get rid of all those interferes and insecurities and doubts and negativities, um, you can literally transform yourself inside and out. Um, so yes. So what are one of, one of, one of the steps you had to go through? I don't want to give Uh, the all away. I want everybody to buy your book, but one thing, what did you really have to work on? Well, one thing that I really had to work on is getting to know me. I needed to, that's why I call it excavation of my soul. And I actually don't even coin that in the book because I realized it, you know, it, through my journey, but I, I I'm a journaler. Good. So my father passed his love for journaling down to me. And I've been journaling since I was probably eight or 10 around there. And so I just knew I wasn't going to go back and read my old journals just yet, but I knew that I just needed to sit down and really dig in to understand why did this man that I loved and revered and respected put me in that parking lot with a pink slip in my hand. There was a reason and it had to do with me, not with anybody else Hmm. because of who he was. 
If it was any other boss or any other person, I would have been like projecting bitterness sure. toward those people. But I knew that this didn't happen, you know, for no reason. Yeah. So I really needed to ask myself hard questions like, who am I truly? Who am I? Who do I want to be? Who do I not want to be? Yeah. What do I want? What do I not want? Uh, you know, what are my passions, my goals, my values? My, I mean, I just had to get to know me because I had lost her for decades. And that was really the core crux of my then coming face to face with who I had become um, and therefore went, you know, went on this shedding journey um, to kind of let all that go. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what do you look for in a leader? I look for, and it really touches on your whole platform. I look for a leader who is courageous to be themselves in all of their beauty marks and warts. It's totally, not totally, self-aware and intentionally working toward enriching themselves and shifting away from what's not working for them to what is. But that authenticity, right? Authenticity, transparency, yeah. vulnerability, <clears throat> empathy, compassion, um, relatability, all of those things. Yeah. And those are all things that are very scary for a lot of people. You know, we talk about intellectual courage, um, being able to set aside your your current knowledge, your long-held beliefs to make room for new knowledge, especially mm -hmm. when it's coming from a subordinate. Yes. A lot of bosses think they have to be the smartest person in the room and they're afraid to ask somebody, hey, I'm not sure how to do this. How can we, right? Right. So that's, that's scary for them. Being authentic, letting somebody know I'm as afraid as you are. I, I spoke to somebody who uh, they were going through a big corporate merger and most of the people were going to get laid off the boss was feeling as scared and frustrated as the employees. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, let them know. I'm not, I'm not sure where we're going to be during the pandemic. I'm not sure what this is going to, it's going to be like for us, but Absolutely. let's work Absolutely. together and, and, you know, we'll, we'll come through it together. Right. You know? Well, and on, on another note of that is they're not only, you know, scared to show themselves and reveal themselves to others. They actually are also apprehensive. And in some cases, fearful of getting to know their people because it's almost like once I know my people truly know my people what really kind of you know makes them tick yeah all of a sudden I have a bigger obligation and responsibility to make sure they have what they need yeah. and that and so many of them are like but you know they don't see that as their role they're like but I have this laundry list of to-dos I need to get done I don't have time you know, for all of this. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's where the courage comes in. That's where, you know, bravery and, and just stepping out and getting comfortable being uncomfortable because you serve others and they'll serve you. Yeah. And when I read that passage, uh, I didn't know, don't necessarily think I read it in the Bible, but I read it in some sort of scriptural type of uh, document but when I read that statement, Ser serving others serves you. I was going through my shedding process, my excavating, and I thought that is so selfish. Like, why am I going to serve others just so it serves me? Right. And I couldn't figure it out for like three years. I just 
couldn't figure out why was this kind of a godlike, you know, um, statement. And then all of a sudden I realized as I did start serving and I did start kind of revealing myself and, and being true to who I was and genuinely wanting to help others as opposed to selfishly in the past, right. then I realized what it meant that you take care of others and you're going to be full. You're going to be full in all aspects, internally, externally, career, work, life, love, everything. And uh, so, yes, uh, but I, but too many leaders and managers, they're just fearful of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I try to tell my clients, you take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your customers. Your customers will take care of your business. Your business will take care of you. Yes. Right. It's that, that circle of love. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So where did you find your courage? You know, uh, number one, uh, I've known a lot of people that have received pink slips. I've received pink slips, right? You're out in the parking lot wondering, what the heck do I do now? Um, That's a scary proposition for some people. Starting a a consulting business, coaching business is scary for some people. Writing a book, a podcast, or internet radio. Where did you find your courage? That's a great question, because quite honestly, I guess I take it so for granted Um, And my sister, one of my sisters, I have five, one of my sisters about five years ago, we were just kind of sitting out on a curb and she, we were talking about life and she says, you are one of the most courageous people I've ever met, I've ever known. I'm like, what? Because I've never really put those, that word toward me. And she's like, you do not hesitate when it's hard or easy just to go for it. And she said, "In you know, you could be ripped up inside, you know, fearful, but yet at the same time, you just continue to push. And I've been very tenacious since I've been a, a young girl. You know, I can always remember my mother and father wishing I wasn't in a lot of cases. <laughs> um, but I just always knew that, uh, you know, whatever I did, good or bad or really ugly, I was going to take from it. And I was going to learn from it and I was going to grow from it. So, you know, I don't believe in failure and I don't believe in regrets. I just don't even, I understand the concept of regrets. I just don't have any because I real, I know that in in my deepest, deepest, deepest assault that whatever I cause and provoke or am involved in, there's something I should be taking away from it, learning from and growing from. And how can you regret that? Sure. Regardless of what it is. And people will say to me, well, that's awfully, you know, kind of selfish when you've hurt people. And I'm like, you know, it's not that I don't feel sure. something in regards to that, but it's not regret. Right. And um, so I think my courage just comes from, one, my parents and my brothers and sisters allowing us to do anything and in everything that we wanted to do without hesitation and telling us that we can do anything that we want and just going, kind of not paying attention and just going for it. <laughs> yeah, as I think as long as you learn from whatever it is, I've, I've, I've fallen down, but you get back up, you learn Absolutely. from it. What, did I, what can I do differently, right, to avoid Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Um, and I think as long as, and yes, you're sorry that you're somebody's feelings, but it's like you said, it's not really regret. 
because right. I learned something about it. So I will never let that happen again. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. So uh, your clients, is there a certain niche that you work with? I mean, as far as industry or are you agnostic when it comes to the industry? Uh, um, I would say there's industries I don't work in. So, and that would be medical, healthcare, pharmaceutical, uh, that whole arena. Yeah. But pretty much agnostic across everything else. And my, and my dominance has been in professional services, technology, finance, and manufacturing. Okay. Um, although I should say, you know, one of my largest clients now, I guess, would be in the chemical materials world, but I would still probably consider the manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, so executives are executives, yeah. you know, and the, and the challenges they have and the opportunities they have, regardless <laughs> of industry, there's just some, you know, there's some degree of, you know, is it worth the effort yeah. when you have some industries? And that's where, um, and, and plus my expertise, even though from a coaching perspective, I don't necessarily need the expertise, Correct. Um, yeah. but there's just some industries um, that, work really well for me. And then others, I just, you know, leave to others yeah. to take care of. And that's a good point you bring up that there's a difference between coaching and consulting. Usually companies mm -hmm. will hire a consultant because the consultant knows more about X than they do. So right. come in and teach us, show us what we need to do, guide us. Right. Coaching, we know that you know what you should be doing and we're here to hold you accountable. We're exactly. here to ask those questions, get you to realize what you've been avoiding and now hold you accountable to make sure you get that done. Absolutely. Yes. And I started off consulting and I used to love that because it was telling people what to do, sure. you know, and it was telling them, you know, how smart I was and, and that's all good. And, Absolutely. and there's many companies that need that. Yes. Uh, however, then as I worked into coaching, cause most of the time I'd go in as a ghost CEO and support the, the CEO in operating the business. And then eventually it would turn into coaching them and then their people. So then it just migrated into coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, my clients, it's, it, it is a little bit of both. You know, you, you come in to make sure, hey, this is something that's missing. Let's put that in place. And now let me show you how to be a little bit better with your communication, how to get right. more, right? Right. So, yeah, I've got right. 30 years in organizational change management. Ah. So going into companies that were undergoing some major change and helping the executive team understand the impacts of that change, communicate the change, lead their people through the change. Absolutely. So now with my clients, maybe a little bit smaller scale, it was like, where are you now? Where do you want to be? Let's put the plan together. Then let me help you coach you so you can lead your people to where they need to be. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Nice. So your podcast. Love the podcast. <laughs> um, where do you see that going? Do you see it? I mean, are you going to continue to grow the podcast? Are there are there certain uh, maybe guests you want to have on the podcast you're looking for? Um, well, the podcast um, has definitely been, being that it's 12 years old, has definitely evolved over the years. Um, I should say shedding the bitch is, is the brand of which the corporate element falls underneath it. So we just rebranded from shedding the bitch to shedding the corporate bitch. But I also have 78 titles in that brand. Okay. So take out corporate because the bitches in my world are your fears, insecurities, and negativities. Right. So being that, you know, saying that, 
take out corporate and put in divorce relationships, you know, being overweight, being too skinny, whatever the the life situation is that causes you to lash out. So yes, we'll, we are rebranding right now, not the name, but the, um, the imaging. And we definitely intend to continue to grow. Um, and the focus now being on corporate leadership, uh, uh, you know, I am targeting both internal corporate leaders, meaning I want to hear from those, you know, on the ground in their companies. And then I'm also talking to uh, leadership experts uh, and bringing them to the table. So then our viewers and listeners uh, can learn from them as far as what are those practices and strategies and techniques they're they're espousing, and they could be coaches or consultants. Yeah. Um, but also, what are the client experiences that are that are happening? Like you brought up some of the situations, you know, of your clients. Yeah. So uh, yes, we definitely are growing and evolving it, and we will branch out as well uh, to where we have other podcasts that touch on those other subjects, just as the book. Someone can say, I've been through a divorce. I understand this whole concept of shedding and I'd love to tell my story. They can then also um, choose to write their their own shedding the blank story. Yeah. First, it's identifying that that bitch or witch or whatever it is that's causing this. Right. I think once you call it out and say, that's what it is. Right. Now you can start moving. In the right direction. I had a woman uh, come to me at the very beginning of discovering the um, the platform or the the story of shedding the corporate bitch. She came to me at a conference into my hotel room, which were like showrooms at this particular conference, and she said, "I can't believe you told my story <laughs> in what you just shared, but it has nothing to do with corporate." I'm like, "Okay, I'm totally confused." She said, and she told me about her cancer battle. Mm. And she said, and initially I was angry and bitter and, and I lashed out on everyone and I just became a tyrant uh, until I recognized that it was my fear and insecurities that were causing me to, you know, project all of that. And then I started working on, just like you talked about, you, I started working on uh, letting go or shedding all of those things. Uh, and she, you know, and I was just like, boing, there's shedding the cancer, right? Yep. So, yeah. So there's just nice. um, a lot of opportunities to take it in a lot of different directions, though the current podcast is solely focused on corporate leadership. Corporate. Excellent. Yeah. Very cool. You mentioned your mentor a couple of times. Do you guys keep in touch? I um, I have several actually in my life right now, but yes, Um of course, initially, <laughs> uh, there was a, a several year gap there. Yeah. And I did actually, um, I'll say confront him uh, when we ran into each other out at a social event. Uh, and I just simply asked, like, why? Like, you know, I know why I told him, but I need to hear it from you. And so that really provided a lot of ability to kind of move on. I had forgiven him early on, um, but at the same time, this was more of the just totally letting go. So yes, we've stayed in touch. Um, We actually run into each other in the angel investment community here in in, in Atlanta. 
Um, and you know, every once in a while I ran into his, into his double danger, doppelganger, doppelganger the other day. So I shot him a note. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still, you know, respect him and revere him and, uh, have high regard for him and just a little disappointed at the time. I was just a, a lot disappointed actually. Yeah. But, but time gives you that that different perspective you go i yes. kind of understand i would like yes. to hear it from your side nice yes. yes um what about some of the other employees you worked with or worked for you do you keep in touch with them i do uh, i i definitely think just connecting on a on a regular basis whether or not i have a lot of um contract individuals that work with me mm-hmm. and so whether or not i have a project for them or not i still i will still reach out to them i'll still make sure that they under they know i'm here and as soon as i have something for them to work on and thank you so much for the work that you've done and uh that that sort of thing so yes i'd like to um stay connected to them and my employees mm-hmm. from the past i'm one of those people good or bad but that kind of leave it in the past so you know, I kind of walked away and I'm not that person anymore. So um, we're very different people. And therefore, um, you know, from my corporate career, there's very few, very few that I stay in touch with. Yeah, that's too bad. Because for them to see who you are now and what you do now, I think would be be great. Um, I'm all over the place, um, Harlan. So they miss me. (laughs) (laughs) If they're conscious, they're seeing you. Right, right. So I was going to say, I'm in Atlanta. Often, if I was to bump into any of these folks on the on the street and ask them what type of leader you are, I am what now. They tell me, yeah, what type of leader? Well, what? Let's leave that in the past. Yes, what type of leader are you now? I would I would probably label myself as a servant leader, very f- focused on serving. Um, even though I was in the past, I was always goal oriented and very customer focused and high deliverable. Uh, high quality deliverable, but that was also very task oriented. That wasn't heart to heart oriented. And I would say that they would say that I am one completely focused on serving others and building up and developing and growing them. Nice. More result oriented rather than just goal specific oriented. Correct. 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 Very cool. Yeah. Good stuff. So what's next for you? Got another book? I am. I'm working on the follow-up since I get so many questions about um, my shift to riches formula, it's called. Uh, And uh, But yet the book will probably be called, I haven't finalized the title, but uh, Excavation of My Soul, Five Steps to Shift from Bitch to Rich. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, Bernadette, this has been awesome. Love to have you on. And uh, when your book comes out again, I would love to have you back so we can talk about Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate your time. If people want to get in touch with you, um, how can they best do that? What's your website? Uh, My website is ballofirecoaching.com. And um, my email address, they can reach me at Bernadette Bowes at ballofirecoaching.com as well. Very cool. And you're active on LinkedIn? I'm active on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And they can even join our Shedding the Corporate Bitch Facebook group um, to kind of know what's happening with the podcast, the episodes, the experts we have, the tools and techniques they're sharing. Excellent. 
Yeah. Very cool. Well, I appreciate that. And I will have all those links down in the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you and stuff. And like I said, when you get your new book comes out, I'll definitely have you back on the program so we can talk about it. Love it. It's been great. Thank you so yeah, much. Absolutely. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here. Uh, check down in the show notes. All of the links to the websites and everything like that will be there for you. Um, please leave a positive review for this episode and all episodes of The Courage to Lead. Uh, Because that kind of helps us get out there and get known by people. So, uh, and share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues, and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.